It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. And welcome into the podcast for this Monday, the first day after the holiday. Although for a lot of people, this is a working holiday today, so that's a that's a good thing for us. Though it is a we are working on what is supposed to be the working holiday today. Yeah. All right, that was Christmas, boys. I'm Richard Skinner. He's Chad Brendel, and he's. Rick Roaring, who's in a, in a bit of a mood today. I can just well, see it. You just you, you had the look why, on your face from the day started. I don't know why. Why are you? I, why, I, I, I don't know why. Why are you putting that on I, me? I, yeah, don't because, project your negativity on you, me. Because you had that look as you well, walked the parking lot. Yeah, blank Christmas is the first thing he yeah, said. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't I like it either. No. Well, that's a, that's a fact. I mean, if you Christmas is not the best. I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not a huge fan. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, a huge fan, but I mean, it's you know, I got a six year old little girl. Yeah, it's, it's good for that. It's cool to see her. You know. Happy and opening presents, yeah. and then shortly after becoming a spoiled, rotten, entitled brat, and that, that's all. That's things how it always that, works. Yeah. Did, did you get anything nice, Chad? No, I don't get anything for Christmas. Like even a gift card or uh, a pair got, of socks. I got this. Uh, place, Pull, this I like that. Right Very here. nice. I like yeah. that. I've, I, see, I don't know why he doesn't. Like, you got nothing, did you? Christmas. <laughs> That's great. Um, so you apparently got nothing at all. Uh, Clothes, who, gift card. Who care? Like honestly, no one listening cares what. I'm just what asking. Over oversized, big and tall pullover I got. Did he got nothing? He, he got, got nothing. He, he got nothing. Did you? I'm, I got Crown Royal. I think that's good. See, hey. that's a win. Yeah, I take that in a heartbeat. I'm not mad about Christmas. I just don't care about Christmas. That's all. Kwanzaa. Yeah, I'm more of a Hanukkah guy. Yeah, you look like it. I'm big into menorahs. <laughs> I bet you are. Yeah. Big into minutia is what you're big into. All right, uh, we're going to look back at the uh, non-conference uh, slate for both UC and Xavier, and then we're going to kind of as a roundtable do uh, do Kentucky and, and look back at some of the some of the highlights and lowlights from the, the non-conference as we get set to start conference play for both. We're not going to talk about Marshall? Good. Yeah, yeah, we can talk about Marshall. I forgot about that part of it. Mm. Yeah, 93-91. UC was 9 of 71 from the foul line. That didn't help. It was a bad night from the free throw line, and the, the – the, uh, Frustrating part is it was the guys that you won at the line. That, yeah, right. You know they were getting. It wasn't like it, you know Trey Scott probably took more than they would want him to. But you and know, Marshall just made another three. In case you wanted. Oh my God! That first half, I've never seen anything like. Were they end up fourteen? Fourteen for twenty-two, and the record for a game for UC for an opponent for an opponent yeah. was fifteen. That's crazy. I mean, it was unbelievable. At one point, they were ten of thirteen to start the game. Hand down, man down. A lot of hands down, yeah. And uh, uh, Kyle Washington was uh, guilty a lot, and Kyle Washington played three minutes in the second half. <laughs> That's, that'll lead that. That it's, would have been a bad L. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be right around top 100, top 125 team, but it would not have been a good loss, especially at home. Yes. And you're trying to go in, you know, with some momentum into to AAC play. And their toughest stretch of AAC play is, is right out of the gate. Their, three of their first four games, um, they could lose. So... Can can I give my take on this? I th- to me, if I'm a UC fan, I feel pretty I'm, good. I'm stoked about yeah, that win. I am too. Because for one, if nothing else, it just says this isn't last year. They would never have come back. <laughs> this isn't last year. You would have lost that game yeah, last year because they didn't have the offense to to, to match up. Yeah. But, but no, regardless of any of that, not even anything. Yeah, analyzing I know. Just the generic. Just, saying just, just generic. Specifically, the luck. Last year, there's no chance they could pull out that game. This year, they find a way. And let's be honest, that is the absolute worst case scenario. We talked about. You go yeah. into a game like that after exams. Breaks on the horizon. Well, it's yeah. not a good team. No one wants to be there. No one cares. You just you just rolled your last two opponents. Yeah, you sleepwalk through the Correct. first ten minutes of the game, and then they throw in everything. Well, like yeah, I, I predicted that they were going to start hot, 
I did not predict that, that they were going to start yeah. that hot. And keep that going was, for yeah. a long period of well, time. And that was the thing that was impressive about that Marshall team. You know, and it's just a one-game uh, thing is, is you see for 30 minutes, man, they would, they would try to get it back, and it would get back to seven, and then bang, bang. Two more threes, and it's back at 13, 14 and, points. And that and usually becomes, the even at home, when becomes you lose. demoralizing. Yeah. yeah, to the point where, you know, we, we think we've got a good stop, and the guy throws one in. What are we supposed to do? Yeah, and, and I think the uh, the play of the game for me, and it's, it's unheralded because of the, the shots that went in, um, but down three with 10 seconds left, or with 15 seconds left, the game's essentially over. Right. And Kevin Johnson gets a steal that leads to the Jacob Evans three-pointer that tied it and sent it to overtime. If Kevin Johnson doesn't get that steal, they basically lose. Right. I mean, the, the guy's driving. You have to foul. The, yeah. yeah, and you have to foul. The guy's driving to the rim and either going to make a basket or get fouled. Right. And you're going to go down five and you're going to lose the game. And Kevin Johnson, out of nowhere, smacks the ball out as the guy's driving to the rim. And Jacob Evans had a uh, pretty large second half in overtime and kind of carried him to the win. And Gary Clark. Sigh of relief. Yeah, and they just they would not the last two years they didn't have the offense to come back and compete in that game and and now they do. All right, uh, I'm glad you remind me of that game. It just feels like it's so long ago since since that game was played. It it does feel like a very long time ago. All right, so now we can focus on on conference play for both, and we're going to kind of uh, look back at some of the, as I mentioned the highlights and lowlights, and then we're going to uh, go on go do kind of a roundtable on Kentucky. Let's start first with the best player in in the non conference for Xavier. Trayvon blew it. Without question. Yeah, yeah, I don't think there's any argument to be made there. I, now, I thought coming into the season there would have been more of an argument to be made there. I thought, you know, Edmund Sumner would really be challenging them, possibly J.P. Makira. Hasn't been that way for X. Trayvon's clearly been the go-to guy. For you, C. Chad. Jacob Evans. Um, it, it's really? been interesting. Over Kyle? Yeah, because Kyle's faded since the Butler game. He is not. He has not been the same guy since uh, Andrew Shravis shoved him around. But can I ask you how much Texas Southern, Fairleigh Dickinson, and Marshall actually matter, considering he's been good in the only games that have mattered? <laughs> I mean, but, but Jacob was really good against Rhode Island. Um, he has had a couple stretches where he's kind of not been as aggressive as, as you would like to see him. But I think overall, um, I think he's their best perimeter defender. And I think, you know, he's had some big games when they needed him to step up and have some big games. Uh, he's hit some really big shots. So I, I, it's a tough call between Kyle and, and Jacob. Uh, but I think Kyle just has kind of faded a little bit lately, so I go Jacob Evans. All right, most improved player for Xavier. And it, and it may not just be maybe from last year, this year, may even be from the start of exhibition play, may even be from the first couple of weeks to where we are today. Yeah, and I think that's the direction I'm going to have to go is saying starting since the beginning of the year. And uh, it would be Rashid Gaston. Um, when you go back to who's improved since last year, there really isn't right. much of an option because he obviously Rashid and Malcolm are new and then Sean, Sean O'Mara hasn't, hasn't really improved in any, any form. Uh, J.P. McKeer has maybe gotten better in some areas, struggled with others. Edmund Sumner hasn't made the jump we expected. So, yeah, I think it has to be Rashid. He started so slow. He's, he's sort of gradually become the player we expected him to be when he was sitting out last year. I mean, when the season started, O'Mara was going to be, the, in theory, the guy in the post that you were going to try to at least get something out of, and Gaston's become that guy. It, it, I agree with that's sort of the way they played it. I think all along, especially last year, Chris knew that Rashid Gaston was his right. best post player coming in this year. But Rashid didn't earn that in the preseason. And Chris's credit, he said Sean's been been the guy, right. and, and he already produced last year in the Big East, so we're going to give him that chance and gave him a starting opportunity. 
Sean wasn't able to run with it. And fortunately, Rashid, after a really slow start, no one kind of took the bull by the horns. Like, had Sean done that or Tyreek done that early right. on, right. they would have solidified themselves in that spot. They weren't able to do it. Rashid wasn't able to do it. And then slowly, Rashid kind of figured it out after that road trip. And he's been really good since. Same scenario for UC. And again, this can be from last year to this year. It can be from the first two weeks to, to today. And I the mean, most approved player. There's two answers based on the criteria. From last year to this year, it has to be Justin Jennifer. I mean, I, I didn't know where he fit or if he fit in this program right. going forward. And he is proving to be a, a very reliable, serviceable change of pace backup point guard. Um, from the start of this year to now, I'd have to go Trey Scott because I think he is in a situation now where he's pushing Kyle Washington uh, for minutes because Kyle's not getting it done on the defensive end. And Trey Scott is uh, – is more than willing on the defensive end, and the kid has a great feel for the game and plays with great energy and, and effort, and um, he has made a, a big jump, and you've now got a couple guys on the bench that you that's can just, rely no, on. That's exactly what I was going to say, is, is, is you've got the two guys you mentioned are two guys now that, that you can get and maybe one day give you 10 minutes if it doesn't work or maybe give you 25, 28 right. minutes if it is working. So um, th- that's huge that it's two guys off the bench that become the most improved. I, I concur. Yeah. And then – Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, then you had in Jaron Cumberland and, and Nizier Brooks was coming along, and that group that was a huge question mark has, has been a decent surprise. I think the Trey Scott part of that is probably the most interesting storyline for me going into these next three games where you have two big road games. Yeah. It's like, okay, Trey is, you're right. You're absolutely right about Trey Scott, but is he going to show it in right. these two road games where, you, where you're going to need him? Yeah. And, and if he does, wow, that, that'd be a big, big deal for UC, I think. All right, and this is always one where people think you hate on a guy, but I'm going to use it as the most disappointing player. That doesn't mean it's a player that sucks. doesn't mean this player is going to suck the rest of the year. doesn't mean you hate this guy. It's he just, suck. He, yeah, he suck. He, he suck. suck. Garbage. He, he, he trash. Garbage. Yeah, but how about garbage. most garbage player? This is it. Most garbage Garbage. 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 So who was, who was, who now, was the, now, who's the most garbage? Di- now, who's the most disappointing player for Xavier Rick? Um, it has to be Sean O'Mara. Garbage. I think garbage. Garbage. Trash. <laughs> you in there, Sean? Sean, you Sean in there? there? <laughs> Don't touch my Sean O'Mara. Trash. Uh, I know you talked about it, Adam. What, Garbage. What, what did that start with right there, Terrell? Garbage. There you go, right there, Oh, You see him in there? Oh, okay. right there. You better find him somebody to play with. <laughs> Is it him saying basically he could... Garbage. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> totally uncomfortable with Yeah, that. really. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, no, Sean... Sean, uh, I think it's in his head right now, to be quite honest. I think he had that opportunity. He knows he missed out on it early in the year. Now he's lost his starting spot. And then it starts affecting sort of your psyche and your confidence. And he just has to get that back because they need him. He's not going to lose his opportunity. Well, especially in that league. I mean, you're going to need a couple of A lot of size. Bigs. Yeah, right. And they're, and they're bigs foul. So it's like they he is going to play minutes no matter what this year. It's not like he's going to be relegated to the bench forever. But he has to get it going, man. Like, cause he's cause he's gonna be at ten minutes a game or less, like he was last year. If he doesn't, right? And, and he's better than that. He showed that last year at times, but right now it's clearly his his confidence is too low. Um, I'm interested in this one. Most disappointing player for UC. See, this is a really hard one because I don't think he's been disappointing. I, I think I know where you're going with this. I, I think his shooting has been disappointing, and it's Troy Capel. Yeah, I thought, no, I, um, that's why I want to use the. So I want to make sure everybody understands that this isn't the, that we think this player is awful. Right. It's just based on what you knew of this player, what the hope was. Most disappointing. That's his, exactly where I thought you were going. His with. assist numbers are good. He's rebounding the basketball. He's playing fairly well, you know, well in most aspects of the game. But he's in a shooting slump. I mean, 
you know, he's down in the in the thirties for shooting percentage and, and down in the twenties for three point percentage. Might even be lower than that at this yeah, point in time. Twenty three point eight percent, ten wow. forty two from three right now. Just which that's a kid that that can shoot absolutely. So. But here's the thing, Chad. You, I mean, you talk about his shooting percentage overall being so low, but it, from two point range, he's shooting fifty one percent. Yeah, I mean, well, they they're really good from two point range right this year. No, I, I know, but it's like yeah. Tro- Troy is still doing his thing when well, he does what he does. Yeah, and and, and, and honestly, not, not and he's doing more of. Not, Attacking now. He, right. well, I was saying, how much of that is him finishing, and how much of that is him with mid-range stuff? Both. I okay. mean, he's 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 done a good job getting all the way to the rim. Um, he's done a. I mean, he's always had a really strong pull-up. You know, fifteen, seventeen footer uh, drives some UC fans crazy because he likes to pull up with his heels on the three-point line. Yeah. That that would drive you nuts as a coach. N- no, because I'm a mid-range. I'm the king of the mid-range, man. You, you know, Trayvon Blewett does that all the time too. Uh, pump no, fake, the, one dribble. The one that makes me crazy. Yeah, it's just where he's comfortable. Is is where the kid catches it outside the three-point line and puts the it, then puts it no, or puts a toe, just a toe on it because they don't give themselves yeah. enough room to walk into a jump shot. No, That's Troy, the one that makes Troy's me crazy. more and Trayvon does this too as he said he pump fake and right. then one, strong, one hard dribble one right. hard dribble feet on the line it drives people nuts but i'm he okay hits with that it. shot of the high clip i would say you hit that shot at a better clip than what the three would get you i'm good with it so it's it's weird because i don't think he's been disappointing per, per se but someone I think, has to get this award someone has to get it and garbage garbage I, <laughs> I think i think he would say that you know he he needs to do a better job yeah. and, and his free throw numbers are a little bit troubling too because he's an 80% free throw shooter. The, the biggest thing to his credit is that his his turnover rate has actually He's dropped awesome. from right. last year. Which was, and that's after it took yeah. a significant drop from his first two years. And he's doing that while you know he's pressing a little bit. And like yeah. you said, trying to get in the lane, trying to do some more things with a shot struggling. He deserves a lot of credit for not yeah. committing more time. Absolutely. Pressing. I mean, you're around his team, obviously. More. Did he do anything to change his shot, to try to get a quick release, to try to do no. anything different to, to impress anybody? Or is it just no. a simple slump? The 60% from the free throw line is weird. Yeah. Like, that's that's just, a 75, 80%. But that, that's kind of, we'll get to Kentucky. That's kind of so Isaiah Briscoe-ish, just where a guy you know can shoot free throws had just that awful stretch last yeah. year. It was so I, puzzling. And, you know, I think a lot of it, too, I think there was a lot of internal pressure he put on himself being conference co-player of the year and Correct. the unanimous first team selection and trying to live up to that that expectation of him you put a lot of weight on your shoulders and you can struggle listen to this his his free throw shooting percentages starting with his freshman year 78.4% sophomore year 78.8% junior year 78.8% stop right there about as consistent as you can be period <laughs> he's, he's that, absolutely the, a 78% the, the, there's, there's, there's no like small sample size that is a year to year to year consistent and number and now right 60. now he's at 60.7% yeah. so what we might see is he might not miss a free throw 30, 30, 35 for his last 35 he might, he might go uh, uh, Paul Cluxton exactly on him 98 yeah, of 98 that, that's one of the more bizarre stat things you'll see is a free throw shooting yeah. fluctuating like yeah. that. We are reviewing the uh, non-conference portion of the schedule for both garbage. UC and, and Xavier. For some of UC schedule, it was garbage. Garbage. Um, it's trash. Trash. And uh, we're going to look ahead a little bit to conference play as well. Both teams do open up conference play on Wednesday night. Do that off the top of my head. UC playing Temple yeah, on the Temple. road and Xavier playing Providence. And we'll talk about those games here in, in just a bit. What happened to them? Providence. What they lost to Boston College. I mean, here's the thing. You don't though. go up on the hill and win, man. Everybody does. But can we talk about the fact that but, this but is they've the, been this is, they've been shockingly yeah, good, this is, shockingly good. I expected good. Providence to be bad enough to lose at Boston College, right. but not now. I didn't expect them to be. 
ten and two going into that game. At right. Boston what happened? College. I don't. They know. were they were up eight ten points for a chunk of it. Yeah, I mean they they beat Rhode Island. Yeah. Uh, they beat Memphis they've on had, the neutral. Like they like, would maybe they haven't be... met, had many impressive wins. Those are right. kind of the two decent wins they've had. But like they but haven't lost. BC, the they they right. maybe they before the BC game they maybe it might have been my most surprising team in the country. In the in the non conference because you I mean they lost yeah, Chris no, Dunn right, and Ben right, Bentel like right. they should have stunk yeah and they were ten and two and I saw that Boston College score go across and what the hell happened Nappy head man can coach now but more he importantly weird. that's a weird deal dude <laughs> it's the weirdest ever but he can coach no I mean in person it's a weird oh uh, yeah I, I've seen it a more ridiculous score was St John's beating Syracuse by thirty thirty points. yeah what the hell happened there I, I don't understand that like I don't know that St John's could beat Beachwood by thirty points I, it'd be, it'd be, we, we we would not let them get to. I, I think it's a classic case of the new Big East just being too much for the uh, old Big East and the <laughs> ACC. Maybe. I think that's pretty clear. Syracuse regrets leaving now. Yeah. It, on, on all fronts. Well, actually, they're probably oh. glad they're in an easier conference where they have a better chance. Yeah, maybe. They don't and have to face St. John's twice a year. <laughs> and they cash $35 million checks. That's yeah. not a bad perk. That's that, that helps. All right, uh, we move on. Rick, the key player for Xavier when conference play begins. Oh, man, this is a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I threw this I one here just for you. I think there are people hiding in the bowels of Cintas as we speak trying to figure out if he's going to be on the court today practicing. Yep. Uh, Miles Davis, I think he will be fairly important and fairly interesting to watch when he comes back. Uh, like Pat. I, We have this vision of, like, could Miles Davis come out just rolling onto the court about 350 pounds with a giant 3XL <laughs> oversized Pat. T-shirt that hangs down past his elbows? Or will he just be, like, in perfect condition shooting 50% from three? Because he's already got the old man look as it is to could, some degree. could easily go either way. Yes, he could. could. easily go either And he might shoot but, the same percentage no, either way. He'd be, the, he'd be that 33-year-old guy still playing in whatever the, he, the Devereaux's League is, whatever the heck it's called he, now. That, he that, gonna, that, he's Paul McMillan. Yeah, that Paul rolls out man. and still can play. Right. Is he going to look like uh, Ryan Taylor? I, I don't think anyone will understand what you're talking about right now. Big? Go ahead. Biggin. You watched the Marshall game, right? Yeah. You saw Biggin. Ryan Taylor. Yeah, I don't think anyone else knew Marshall's personnel is what I'm saying. But he's a biggin. That's all that's all needs to be said. Jared Lorenzen like biggin. Fat. Fat. Garbage. Fat. All right, uh, UC's key player when conference play begins. Ooh. Um, I haven't used him yet. I guess I'm going to go Kyle Washington. Okay. They need him to... Because when he played well, stay on the floor correct. and be effective defensively. They need him to be a twenty-eight minute a game, you know, twelve, fifteen point scorer. And uh, if if he doesn't start playing defense, he's not going to see the floor. And Trey Scott is going to take his minutes. So. I think it's got to be Kyle Washington. Well, I think it's very clear that this sort, there's sort of this internal struggle on the team right now of Kyle Washington's will versus Mick Cronin's will, and those two battles going at it. Guess who's not going to win? Kyle Washington would be my guess. <laughs> that is a good Although you guess. know who else might not win as a result? Cincinnati. <laughs> Mick <Yeah>. Cronin. <laughs> it's a fine line, man. It's a fine line. Yeah, no, it's an, it's an interesting part of the season because he's so important, but it's clearly a kind of combustible situation, and now you don't really care that you had to sit him against Marshall. Right. You only played him three three minutes in a close game in the second half. In the so. second half and overtime. So right. of 25 minutes, he played three. And right. Trey so. Scott played the rest. And, and the message is we won without you. Yep. So if you want to get minutes, you do it our way. Pretty simple. <laughs> I'm sure Kyle's smart enough to figure out it was Marshall. <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you won against Kyle, Marshall and everything. Kyle's a so smart maybe. kid. Yeah, but you, you ran the risk of not winning against Marshall. Kyle too. also is a large portion of the reason that they were down. 
15 right. points yeah, in the exactly, first half. Exactly right. right. Um, I was going to do this as best win and worst loss, but really I didn't think there was a really a, an awful loss for either. So I'll just do the, the best win, though. Um, I'll start with UC because I think it's an easy answer. Iowa State. Yeah, on the road yeah. um, and, and should help them at least yeah. as the season progresses. And, and just because they, they did need to get one of the two between that and Butler. Right. Played well for a stretch against Butler but didn't get it. So at least you got one of the two that you needed to get. Yeah, I, I, that's on the resume. They're going to see that. They tested themselves. They went on the road, <coughs> played some tough games, and got one win. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, for, uh, for Xavier, best win of, of the non-conference. Yeah, it's easily the Clemson game in, in Orlando. You got a neutral site win over Clemson, who's 22nd right now in, in Ken Palm. Uh, they missed the big opportunities on the road. They had two right. really good ones and didn't get either one. So that's certainly a, a swing and a miss on, on that part of the non-conference. But the Clemson win will be really solid for yeah. them. All right, let's go back to Xavier for a second. The, the question that, that, that got answered for you when you watched the first half, or what, 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 is there still a lot of questions left to answer? I think there are some questions that need to be answered, but I'd say the one that it has been answered kind of as we went, it took a little bit, but is that they're going to be okay in the post. You know, they haven't gotten they, – they went to, to Baylor, did not get dominated on right. the glass. Even though they couldn't score against Baylor on the inside, they did not get beat on the glass. They've done really good against Utah, Wake Forest, some bigger teams that are from major conferences of, of controlling the paint. So I think that would be it. It's just that they're, even without James and Jalen and even with their big men struggling early this year and Sean not playing well, they're going to be okay. In the post. Is, there, is there a question that still needs to be answered, though? Uh, a big one. Well, they're, they're, I think the biggest one right now is... is How there, fat is Miles Davis? <laughs> is their offense going to click? At some point, because it really hasn't at right. all yet. They haven't shot the ball close to the percentage that they shot it last year from three-point range. The ball movement just hasn't been there. Uh, it hasn't been the same flow offensively. And, and a big part of that is Miles Davis. He's your best shooter, your best passer probably last year. So does he make that difference or not? That's sort of the big question to be answered, I think. All right, for you, see a question that you thought got answered and maybe still needs to get answered. Um, I mean, I, I, I guess I would say the offense kind of answered the question of would it be better, would they be able to, to go into a higher gear offensively and and score more. Obviously, there's still, you know, there were a couple games, the, the Butler game being, the, you know, where they bogged down a little bit in Rhode Island in the, the second half, the second part of the second half where they bogged down a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think they showed that they've got more weapons and that, you know, now you're starting to get Kevin Johnson coming along and uh, a couple guys on the bench are, are improving. So um, I, I think they answered that offensive question. Um, I, I think the the question to be answered is, is this team ready to be the hunted? Because they are going into this thing really as the only team that is a quote-unquote a sure thing to make the NCAA right. tournament. So they're going to get 18 games of everybody trying to get, you know, that win. And, you would you, you know, in the past in this league, you got some cover from that because there were four or five teams that were always competing for a bid. And right now, I mean... SMU maybe, Temple maybe. Temple maybe, yeah. Uh, but We're talking about desperate teams right now. Yeah, yeah. desperate teams, and they're going to be looking at Cincinnati as this is really the only win out of 18 that can move the, that can move the needle and, 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 you know, boost your tournament resume. So it's going to be very interesting to see can they play as the hunted and, and how Troy and Kevin as seniors 
uh, handle that that difference in roles because I think it's it's a big difference from, from a strictly analytical statistical point of view on the offensive end. Last year, UC ranked 69th, nice in the country on offensive efficiency. This year, they ranked 40th in the country. Yeah, so nice a step significant up. improvement. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. All right, let's go to the conference play and look ahead here. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard to project this because it is it's different parts of the conference schedule that can be really fluid. But for, for Xavier, first and foremost, is there a key stretch of games that you've looked at, or is there a game or two where you go, all right, th- those are going to be big, not just for conference. We're talking bigger picture when it comes to seeding for NCAA tournament, too. No, I mean, it, it, it's very easy to pick out. It's it's so obvious when you look at their schedule, and it's not going to take you much time to get there. They have the uh, home game against Providence, the at- game at Georgetown, and then they return home to play St. John's, and then, then it hits them. They've got, in, in a matter of one week, on Tuesday, January 10th, they go to Villanova. They turn around four days later on Saturday, January 14th, and go to Butler. And then on Monday, they return home two days later and play Creighton wow. at home. I mean, you've got three top 15 right. teams back to back to back all in seven days. That's the stretch right there. That's a hard and two, stretch. And two of them are on the road. Yes. So yeah, that, that's a tough, tough that's stretch. The, uh, that's the Mick Cronin. Um, you can go one week and it, be on a three-game losing streak that he always talked about in the, in the old Big East. You, know, you, you go at Pitt, you know, Louisville at Syracuse in a week, and you, you come home 0-3. Yeah, and maybe you don't even play back. Yeah. You don't even feel bad about yourself right, necessarily, right, you may, right. but you're miserable because you're right. 0-3 in the last three Correct. games. So, um, that's, that's brutal. How about for UC? For UC, it's right now. Um, well, and I'll say right now almost through the Xavier game. It's a long stretch because it's a weird. I'll go the first four. Okay, but it's a weird schedule because you got at Temple, Tulane at home, then at Houston, Houston, SMU at home, and then but then you go at East Carolina, back to Temple again here. Yeah. Um, At Tulane, it's just weird because you play Tulane and Temple right off the bat, and then the Xavier game. The only reason I go through the Xavier game, look the Tulane game, I'm going to toss and and Tulane's off. They're terrible. No, I'm tossing those. That's why I said I'll toss those. But really, the 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 stretch where you have to go to Houston, still play SMU, have to go to Temple, playing Xavier, obviously in in that stretch. That's that's a that's a lot. I know your stretch is a month. It is. That's a long stretch. I'm just going the first four. Okay, at Temple. Tulane, throw it away at Houston, and then home against SMU. If they come out of that four and zero, three and one, four and zero, there's a good chance they can go sixteen and two, fifteen and three in this league. Yeah, and that, that's obviously going to set up for the for the next question, which is uh, when we look at it, uh, the the projected conference record probably and finish for each. I'll start with you because you just mentioned it. If they can get through that this stretch, you do look at sixteen and two ish, fifteen and three ish. I'll go, and that, I'll go that fifteen be, and three, and that should easily be enough to obviously be the one seed in the league. Yeah, and fifteen and three, I think, puts them. Where they should be a four or five seed range, right. um, depending on what happens with the Xavier game. If they can beat Xavier, maybe even jump up in that three seed range. Um, the thing that's going to be interesting this year is there's so many blue bloods at the top, like we've talked about. Right. I think it's going to be tough to get up above two seed range for for anybody that's not, you know, in that blue right. blood category. Right. Um, so, but uh, fifteen and three, I think, is what I'll go with. Uh, Conference play and, and want to know out of conference. Okay. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> that went right over your head, didn't it? Or did you just absorb it? What? No, I no, I, I heard him. He's, he absorbed it. I for, mean, for that, Xavier. That's that's that's. I, I don't care. Like he should think that the percentages have to play out at some point. It's three and zero oh, the last three. So <laughs> you would think at home they'd win one. Zip them up, um, especially when they need it and they have a good team. Um, with Xavier, I think you. I, I would adjust it a little bit. I think I predicted three losses on our preseason show. I would move that to thirteen and five now. And I don't think that would be awful. No, that would be a real. I think thirteen and five would be really good. It might be even a little ambitious for this team. Um, Twelve and six is kind of what I was. Yeah, I think you lose at Villanova. I think uh, you lose at Creighton, and Creighton beats Xavier at, at Centos as well. 
Um, then I think you add in probably a loss at Seton Hall and one other. There's one always, yeah, there's always, there. there just is one. Where I mean, it's, it's at should, Providence, yeah, right. which is tough for right. them. Um, I don't think they lose to Marquette because they've owned Marquette and Wojo. They've also owned Butler and Chris Holtman. So I don't think they lose at Butler, which would be another tough road game. But there's always one where you kind of don't expect. So, I, yeah, I think 13-5 and five sounds right to me, but it's also a little ambitious. 12-6 and six wouldn't surprise me either. And I wish I could remember this when we started the, the, the year off with, with predicting where these teams would, would finish in the NCAA tournament. You had UC going at least second sweet, round, sweet probably 16. Sweet 16. Have you wavered either way, or do you think there's even a potential for one more step on the ladder based on what you've seen? I, sweet 16 is probably about right from what I've seen so far. I, I think there is still a level of, of play that can go a step higher for this group, but I until I see them – more consistently get there until I see Troy's shooting improve a little bit. Until I see Kyle uh, remember the defense is, you know, half of the game. Um, I, I would stick with Sweet 16 for right now. But um, given the right draw, they definitely could, could make an Elite Eight, a, you know, outside chance. Greg, I can't remember where you went with Xavier either, but uh, based on, on maybe what you thought preseason, has is, is anything changed, good or bad? Yeah, I think it changes slightly just because you haven't seen – the consistency from this team or seen them really put it together yet at any point this year. Like they haven't played a game other than maybe the first Northern or the second Northern Iowa game when they returned home and played Northern Iowa and they just blew them out. And it was a decent Northern Iowa team, not a good Northern Iowa team. Um, I think aside from that, you haven't seen them put it together. So yeah, I would say that it's, it's a slight, slight, their, their upside is slightly less, but now you've got miles Davis heading back into the mix. I could easily see them, Overperforming, you know, when it gets right, to the postseason right. too. So I would say Sweet Sixteen sounds about right, but you could easily see them lose a round before that. You could easily see them go around past that too. So yeah. it's an, Xavier's a, Xavier to me is one of the most interesting teams in the country. Aside, normally they're not. This time of year, I know who they are. I don't have many storylines left to figure out. I'm just waiting until we get to the postseason, more or less. This year, I have there's so many things left to be answered about this team, even though I'm covering them daily. That I think for a team that's nationally relevant, it has been in the top 15, been in the top 10 this year they're a team that has as many storylines and could go right could go disastrous the rest of the way or go very well and be much worse than we all thought or they could be really really good still yeah. totally up in the air all right we'll uh, we'll talk about uh, each of the conference openers for each team here in just a second let's run down kentucky um kind of based on what we just did with with uc and xavier we'll do this a little quicker because it, it we're going to do this kind of in a round table manner for kentucky their best player in the in the, in the non-conference malik monk any yes. question all right I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that most improved player for them is there one? I, I, I know who it's not. <laughs> well, we've got most we'll disappointing coming up. <laughs> we'll save him. Um, I mean, I guess Briscoe's improved some. But he's kind of tailed, know. it feels yeah, like. I don't know. That's a, that's it, a it, really it, tough it, one. It felt like it early in the, in the season and certainly in the preseason that he, was, he, would, he had yeah. turned the corner a little bit in that regard. It's one of those things I, I made a statement as a question. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, no, no, no. no I... I, I well, I mean, this is a tough team to ever pick a most improved player because they replace most freshmen. of the roster Correct. every year. So, yeah, I, I don't think – I mean, the only answer would be the guy that we're going to use for most disappointing, and he clearly hasn't improved. Well, so. let, let, let's, let's hop to him. Let, let's Will, hop to Miss Willis. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if he had improved, that would be really nice. He stinks, him. and I hate him. <laughs> he called me. <laughs> Unpaid amateurs. <laughs> Student athletes. Yeah, remind yourself of that, okay? Keep, keep reminding yourself of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 for the most improved, I, I'm not sure who, who you would pick in this I regard. mean, I, I guess by default it would be Briscoe, Briscoe okay. I guess. Yeah, most disappointing was easy. Key player for them when conference play begins. Is, is, it, is it not just a specific player but a specific position? 
It's the four, right? Yeah, it's got to be the four, I, I think. Uh, I, I also think Malik could get better defensively. If he sharpens his defense up and gets it anywhere, I mean, it's never going to be as good as his offense. He gets it anywhere close to you know being an NBA-type right. level defender, they become a lot better, too, because he's... Ben, when I've been going back and watching a little bit on Cincinnati, he's way more lax defensively than I realized. He has some great moments on the ball, but off the ball, he hurts them at times, and he needs to be better. And they're bad at the four. And they're really bad at the four right now. Gabriel, I think, has... He's really talented. I think he's going to be really good. Maybe, maybe he's most improved if we're doing from start of the season. Because I think he's come a long way already. He still has a long way to go, though. Yeah, maybe. I, he's going to be a big key. I think maybe that's sort of the, the yeah. key spot right there is, like you said, the four and especially him because I just don't know that Willis is going to be able to provide it. Yeah, he, and he hasn't. I mean, physically. we're not talking about a 12-game stretch here. You're talking about a career's worth of, of, of activity. I mean, he is what he is. I mean, he's a yeah. he's a okay player. Suck. <laughs> if he could have stretched the Garbage. if he could have been more consistent and stretched the floor better this year, that would have been great. I think right. it's pretty clear he can't. All right. Uh, best win for UK, and I'm not sure uh, th- there's only one answer, obviously, and, and other than that, there really wasn't anything that made you go, wow. It's North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, the Michigan State neutral win we thought was, we going, thought to was going to be good. really yeah. good, and Michigan State just hasn't been that type of team to this point. Now, that's going to be the most astor- annoying storyline of the postseason is when we get to there and everyone's sucking off uh, Izzo because he miraculously got a team with a ton of talent back to the tournament when people thought they were going to be down and out. Midway and then the they year. go to the Final Four. Right. That's I mean, what he does. Incredibly annoying. I'm not looking forward to that. Unless he loses Middle Tennessee in the first round. True. There's that, too. No, that's when they're hyped, though. That's when, that's they're, true. That's yeah. when they're good. That's a good point. So, yeah, that's, that's a good call. When they're bad, all of a sudden they end up in the Final Four, and you go, wait a second. And, and you know, I, I kind of phrased this earlier when we were talking about there really there wasn't a worse loss for really UC or Xavier, and I'm not sure there was for Kentucky either. I mean, UCLA at home is disappointing just because of what they've done um, at Rupp under Cal, but uh, based on what you see, it's be a little disappointing. Maybe, but it, it's Louisville. At, at Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a top ten team in the country. I know, I'm just, but if you're a Kentucky fan, you're disappointed by it. Sure. No question. No question. <laughs> They're the big blue. They're disappointed by everything. They're the big blue. blue. Talk about John Wall, cousins. Maybe you're in five, 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 six. Sir, where are you from? Oh, my, oh, my God. Next, oh, my Lord. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up for Kentucky is, is a question that maybe they seem to answer and maybe still have to answer. I think the half to answer we just talked about is who plays the four and, and what does he do if you can't find a guy? You know what's, you know what's who's there today in Lexington? Hamadou Diallo. Okay. Hamadou Diallo is a top ten kid in the 2017 class. It He's going to help him today. Yeah. Time out. Okay. It has been discovered. He has already graduated high school. Okay. He is already a qualifier. And he is already eligible for the 2017 NBA draft. So he's not going to be in the 2017 class. What he can do is show up somewhere before the second semester starts. Which is still another two-plus weeks away for most. And be on that team through SEC play. Oh, that, that'll get the people going. The waiver wire. The people, first waiver wire, mid-season waiver wire well, That'll make the Cal, the Cal fans very happy. Everybody thought he was at UConn over the weekend. And everybody thought UConn's got a bunch of injuries. You know, step right in and play. Step right in. He's going right. to get 30 minutes a game. And then he realized, wait, I'm going to play in the AAC with UConn? Right. <laughs> or you can go to Kentucky. And, he, and he's a guard, but he's 6'6", and he is... Insanely athletic, freakish. He could play the four, and that would be that would be very interesting. Like I said, everybody thought you know the consensus was he's visiting UConn. He'll commit to UConn, and then last night 
the news hit Hamadou Diallo was visiting Kentucky Monday good, through Wednesday. Good catch. Cal, Cal getting in before the trade deadline. <laughs> the January 13th trade deadline. Better known as when the second kid, semester starts. I we, like it. We saw him for the first time in um, Atlanta, maybe? It was, it was a city. It was a city. And, and – Along the trail. You watched him, like, the first half you watched him, and he wasn't really doing a whole lot, but he just was one of those kids that moves around the floor really well and passes the look test. And then the second half, he just was a monster, and it was like, oh, yeah, him. He's really good. And that's when he was a sophomore. UK also, just real quick while we're on the topic of recruiting, they also landed Jared Vanderbilt for next year, another yeah. five-star in that class. How, did, how does he not go to Vanderbilt? I, I didn't see him much. He's 6'7", wing. What, it, what I don't think he's a wing. I think he's a four. four. I think he's a, I think he's yeah. a face four. Yeah. Um, elite rebounder. Long arms. Um, really, really good. Uh, versatile defender. Can defend the perimeter a little bit uh, and then defend you know around the rim. Um, his offense is not good. And you know that's got everybody in uh, in an uproar over the cats don't have any shooting in this class. <clears throat> but I mean, what are you going to do? Tell Jared Vanderbilt no? Like I mean, the kid's a, a really good player. He's just got some work to do on the offensive end. All right, uh, we talked about the key stretch, maybe your key game or two for both Xavier and 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 um, and UC for Kentucky. I, I'm not even sure I can find a key stretch. I mean, there's Kansas, K- Kansas, but it's sandwiched between a game at Tennessee and then a home game with Georgia. But well, I, no, I just the key. just oh Kansas. yeah, just the game, yeah, yeah, because it's really their last chance to pat, repad the resume and at least give themselves a fighting their chance. Their key stretch to is be a forty win. minutes. No, you're right. That, that's that's great because that's really their last best chance to maybe be a one seed unless they somehow run the complete table in the league. But, I don't. I don't know that they can. Oh, they sure they can. I, I Maybe think, I think they can. Um, but I you think beat you beat Kansas with the, with the two losses you have, and run, now again, you can't suffer a god awful loss in that league. But yeah, because I think the other teams are gonna gonna lose games too. When you look at who else is sure. in line. Um, but I, I still think you can throw in that Tennessee and the Georgia game because you have. I mean, it's just the, the classic. You've got the Kansas game, right? right? Do you Sandwich, have that like? Yeah. Do you have that hangover game, or do you have that game at where you sleepwalk at Tennessee and play against a team that's gunning for you and wants to do nothing but beat you because the rest of their season is going to be totally irrelevant? Rick Barnes still Tennessee. Yeah. Yes, he Kentucky is. Kentucky will be fine. Yeah, okay. yeah I mean, and, and even <laughs> e- even probably, probably the hardest game for them in the league on paper would be Florida, and they got them at home in, in a one-time deal. So yeah. um, it's don't, just – Don't they got to go to Florida? Uh, Saturday, February 4th? Did I miss one? Mm. Yeah, they go to Florida on, on February 4th. Okay. I don't have it on my schedule here. So I know they got Florida at home on February 25th. So maybe they do. Yeah, I've got Saturday, maybe, February maybe, 4th. Maybe, maybe they've taken it off the schedule because they don't believe in it. Uh-huh. So I, I don't know. There you go. So, they, so, they, so two games with Florida then. Yeah. The, the, so th- those are two nice opportunities, and that's all they get in conference. Basically. Yeah, I mean, that's basically basically it. And I don't think Florida can beat UK, to be honest. I don't either. I don't either. Um, we did this for both UC and Xavier, too. Projected conference record for, for Kentucky and, and where they wind up seed-wise. 17-1? I mean. I, I, yeah. I, I can't. How do you pick them to lose more than one game in, in the conference? I, I mean, I not, obviously we're not including Kansas. In I mean, yeah, here, here are their road conference games. Ole Miss, Vandy, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Alabama, Missouri, and Texas A&M. And Florida. And Florida. Yeah, I'm sorry. And Florida. I mean, that's, that's, that's not a gauntlet. 17-1? I'll go 17-1. Does that then get them a one seed if they beat Kansas? Yeah, probably. If they beat Kansas, probably. I mean, it's not they, done in a vacuum. They'd be, what, 28-3? 
Yeah, we'd, I'm, that's probably going to be enough. Twenty-eight yeah. and three with with a loss to what should be possibly a one seed in UCLA and a and a, and a two, two seed seed, seed yeah. in North Carolina. Or, I mean, in Louisville, rather. Louisville, yeah. I, I, yeah, at their place. Yeah, you got and you've got two signature wins, uh, one in neutral and one at home. Not a road win, but. Cal never really has those. It, it would be interesting to see what else is up there with them because yeah. strength of schedule is going to be a factor in that. I mean, yeah. is, is Duke 28-3? and three? Is Carolina up in that range? You know, yeah, what, where's UCLA at? That's you know. what I going to say. Yep. Uh, Kentucky does open conference play on Thursday night when they do play uh, at, at Ole Miss. But on Wednesday night, UC opens at Temple. Um, let's talk about that game for a second. We'll move on then to Xavier and Providence. H- has not been a... a, a a friendly environment for the Bearcats uh, since AAC play began. Uh, lost last year um, at the at the end by one point. I know that's a shocker when we talk about the Bearcats last season. Um, and then the year before, they got blown out when they went up there. They they crushed Temple here and then went up there and got blown out. So they haven't won there the past two years. Um, Temple's kind of Jekyll and Hyde this year. They've got a couple really strong wins and then a couple head-scratching losses. So you don't know which which Fran Dumphy team you're going to get. Will Josh Brown play? Um, part of the reason they've been so up and down is they've been relying a lot on a couple of their freshmen. Uh, they do have a a wing with maybe my my favorite nickname in college basketball, Shiz Shiz Alston. What, what does the Shiz stand for? I, I don't know. I I know that I went up to. He's the Shiz. I went up to their coach one day uh, in AAU, and I said, Coach, can I talk to uh, LeVon Austin? And he said, yeah, hold on. And he turned around, and he went, shiz. And I was like, you, And you didn't even ask what the shiz was for? No, I just I was impressed that his nickname was shiz. I like shiz. So um, uh, he's playing pretty no well. Um, Obi Echionia has, uh, has shot it really well and probably been their best player for Temple. So uh, it, it, it's going to be, uh, as Butch Jones would say, it's going to be a great challenge. Oh, it is. She is. She is. <laughs> That's where it came from. Just sitting around with Pops one day. Pops just let out a, she is. Go get me another beer, man. <laughs> and it stuck. It stuck. That's it. It stuck. All right, let's look at uh, Xavier's opener. They do host uh, Providence on Wednesday. Providence coming off, as we mentioned earlier, that 12-point loss to BC. And they actually, I think, led double digits at one point, or at least close to it, but ended up losing uh, by double digits. The resume isn't overwhelming. You mentioned it earlier, Rick. So uh, a good way for Xavier to, uh, to creep into, into Big East play. Yeah, but uh, like like we were saying, this Providence team. I mean, Rodney Bullock's been really good for them. Kyron, how's Jalen Lindsey been? Uh, okay, I mean he's shooting the ball really well. Um, he's you know he's similar to what he was last year. I think it's 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 a team that you looked at what they had coming into the year. You go, oh god, how are they going to fend right. for themselves after what they lost? And these guys, kind of the same guys. It's not like there's been a big standout that's really kind of changed the game for them, a young kid or anything. It's mostly been the same group of guys that just kind of been older, tougher, and learned how to win. I think last year playing with two really good players, and they've just sort of continued that. So I don't think it'll be an easy game. I think Xavier should be able to kind of overwhelm them at some point, especially playing at home and pull away you would hope there you go pretty simple is that new year's new year's eve the typical no, or new no, year's this, day this is uh wednesday. 28th yeah wednesday night oh, okay. both, both open wednesday night we'll talk about the new year's next right, yeah next thursday yep. thursday yeah, yeah. so yeah, we, but we, they I, will play a new year's eve game what time at, uh against georgetown and it is uh i think it's the early game 11 okay. or 11 30 it's the big east uh, marathon right that right. day yep. which, I, which i like they, they were doing that that was usually the opening Day, correct? Yeah, that used to be how they opened it, and uh, you know now it's just the Big East Marathon. Right, I guess that's what I was thinking. That was that that was the opener. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. they've done that in the past, but this year it's not it's not to open it. But it's always a good day. Yeah, solid day, hoops. There you go. All right, Danny, final take from you, Chad Brendel. 
it's it's been kind of uh, a depressing couple a couple days because there hasn't been much basketball on. Yeah, I mean, you they, take a deep breath on occasion. The, the the diamond diamond head classic or whatever from Hawaii was uh, the four the four game four was, games in a row. That's good stuff. Was was thrilling. Uh, I, a lot of people there. It looked like for the Utah Stephen F. Austin game. I mean, just they looked like a really solid I, crowd. Yesterday, I walked into the living room at my uncle's house, and I think Illinois State and Tulane was was oh, on. That's good, and I I. Grab the remote control and I put on the Steelers Ravens yeah. game. Um, Even though you're a college basketball junkie, there's, that, just, there's that, only so much you can take. There's there's a limit. There is a limit. There's I, a limit. I, I would and agree. Illinois State and Tulane on Christmas is is at that limit. Yeah. Hey, I do. Um, uh, before I get Rick's final take, though, I do want to ask because because NKU, you talked about it last week, Rick. They did. Uh, you did want to see them play somebody decent before they went into conference play. They obviously did that going to West Virginia, hung around for a half, and then just got blitzkrieged in the second half. Yeah, they, they got really tired the last sort of seven minutes there of the first half. I think you saw the first first ten minutes, they only had two turnovers, handled the press great. Uh, Blake Spellman, their freshman point guard, is back in the mix. He looked good in his first game back from injury. They just wear you down, man. Yeah, it just keeps coming. Right. And, and even though NKU was subbing a lot and playing a lot of guys, I think mentally more than anything, it just gets you fatigued, and then all of a sudden you had four turnovers in a row. Right, and, and the wave hits you. And, Hugs, and, Hugs is playing 12, I know he is. Guys, no, we, we, we talked about that the other day. I mean, he's got, I think, at least 12 playing nine or more minutes yeah. and none really playing more than 25 minutes. No, so he's, They just are relentless. I, I tell you what, but that game really showed off the importance of LeVon Holland, how big of a get that right. was when John Brandon first got there. Because you still have him for another year after right. this. Right. Yeah. And he proved, I mean, against West Virginia, he's handling their press. He's making plays. He's getting in the lane and making some incredible finishes against big-time athletes. I mean, he's a guy that's probably above this NKU level pretty clearly Is that at this the kid, point. Did he come from Alabama? Yeah, I think he transferred, transferred from, from yeah. Alabama. I can't remember I if there was a the connection, but but he was um, he's from a Louisville kid. Yeah, yeah, originally. yeah. yeah. And um, it's just a really nice get because he gives you that prerequisite. If you do get into a situation where you're playing in the Horizon League Championship or you're in the NCAA tournament or something like that, he gives you that guy who's a legit D1 high right. major athlete at point guard. Well, and I'll ask um, – is is it, is it a game that that helps them going into conference play, or is a bad confidence knock going into conference play, especially as well as they had been playing? No, I think I think they need. Honestly, I think it was good for them. I think it sort of knocked them because no, you ain't facing anybody like that. No, nothing even close to it. And the thing is, I think they also saw for the first ten minutes. We were right in that game, right. and we could have played better. We weren't playing great, but we were executing. We were playing great defense, and we had enough athleticism to hang with those guys on both ends of the court before we kind of got out of sorts. And, uh, you know, Drew McDonald played his worst game of the year. No and points. then got knocked out with a concussion early in the second half. So I, you, you imagine this break would be nice to get Correct. him back. Yeah. You won't have to worry about that going forward. It won't be an issue. But to see you play like that with him playing so poorly and having so many turnovers – Great sign for NKU. All right. Any final take? You want that to be your final That's take? That's it. I like That's it. it. Okay, very good. Good stop then, though. All right, boys. We will uh, be back on Thursday. We'll recap Xavier and Providence. We'll recap uh, Temple and, and UC, and we'll look ahead to weekend games for both. We'll talk some Kentucky, talk some NKU, maybe throw some Ohio State and Indiana in there. You never know what direction we're going to go. Thanks for being with us. Don't forget, you can join my partner, Tom Gamble, and I, the Two Angry Guys podcast each and every Tuesday. Got uh, two more Bengals podcasts to do. Yay! They'll, the, they'll be this week. The Skinny Podcasting Network. It is. It's, it, it is. The two angry guys are so good. You're you're you're, so you're, you're a kind man. I just I just go along for the ride, Chief. Go on, Chief. Chief. I mean, God. how do you come up with your? Just who's terrible. coming up with your guys' topics? Our executive producer. People start sending Rob. topics in for him. Yes, because well, we'll talk about anything. Yeah, you know. yeah, you will. Anything. Is, is your executive producer Ralph? Uh, no, Rob actually is the executive producer. 
Chief. Uh, how, how, Chief. How many times has that guy been called Chief or Ralph? <laughs> a thousand. What, Ralph? <laughs> Literally every time he's been referenced. <laughs> yes, poor guy. Poor guy. All right, thanks for being with us. We're back on Thursday on the Skinny Podcast here at Local12.com. Also, you can find it at MusketeerReport.com, at BearcatJournal.com, on iTunes, SoundCloud. Just find it. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Thank you.